1: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. to get 30, 30, get 30, better get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20 get 15,
2: 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. so Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch.
1: $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome
0: back to part 2 of The Guilty Feminist. So plug in and get ready for the fun. Hello, Brisbane. Are you ready for a little bit more Guilty Feminist? Then welcome back to the stage, Deborah frances white and Steph Tisdall. It's like musical chairs, that bit. It is, isn't it? How are you, Steph? I'm confused. Oh, you, there's various microphones here. I'll use both.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, which... Hold on. Hello? Hello? they All right. All right. I'm
0: sure Excellent. Steph, this is a very important night for me because this is a, the first time I've ever played QPAC. Yeah. Which, uh, cool. if you're listening internationally, is the Queensland Performing Arts Centre. But this is where I used to come as a child when, you know, there was the theatre on or something. We'd yeah. drive up from the Gold Coast. It was always a very big deal. He'd always dress up. Yeah. And then this is where we'd come on school trips. Yes. Um, They'd put you all in a bus and they would take us to a restaurant called The Wool Shed, which I was probably not around anymore. Some people are laughing at that. And it had sort of like... um, It was meant to be like a shearing shed. It was like sort of like once a Jolly Jumbuck camped by Billabong type feel.
3: Yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Click, go the shears boys, click, click, click. I feel like they're all racist. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... They may well be. Uh, it just feels that way. Yeah. If so, I'll stop with the, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll stop with the reminiscing over notes. You know, it wasn't until I, I left Australia and went to other countries that I realised that other countries did not celebrate their convict population. Yeah. Because all the songs we learnt as children at school were all like turr adity It was all Bound for Watney Bay. And there was so much celebration of the criminal population of australia but i just assumed everywhere you went there was like folklore about like ned kelly and you know um it it was it it was uh it was a surprise to me that other countries were like yeah we don't talk about the prisons as much they're not they're not the heroes and listen of course that's all socioeconomic and the who was being sent over here as convicts and you know all about you know also within that the context of colonization so i i'm I understand the intersectional implications of what I'm saying and at the same time, it is a bit weird.
3: It is very strange. I actually, um, I keep on... I'm really obsessed with propaganda.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more.
3: Um, Not like having a propaganda, what's that? No, like... (laughs) (laughs) Don't clap.
0: (laughs) No, I'm just going to strike this microphone stand because it's meant to be struck and it's it's sort of in a weird place. So it looks like it's... So, look, listen, in America, if you did this, the union would jump up and say you're not allowed. But
3: it's (laughs) it's Australia and no one gives a fuck. I'd get my dad to carry it. It's quite heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, No, I've I've become really obsessed with propaganda because I started thinking about, like, you know, we always look back in history and we go, like oh, that was propaganda. Mm. But so now I'm like, are we being propaganded? And I know
0: that we are, but I keep on trying to find it. Yeah, all the time. I think almost everything that's said is... I mean, not everything. I don't want to become one of those paranoid people of like, you know, everything's fake news. But given the state of the climate crisis, clearly everything that industrialised government, you know, capitalist governments are telling us is...
3: Put it off, it'll be fine. Also, don't know if anybody else noticed this. Oh, I watched a series on Netflix or stand called Welcome to London, Grad. It was all about Russians. There's a big push against Russians at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> also, because so Putin's like really illegally invading the Yeah, Ukraine. yeah. So, like, it's amped up. Like, I mean, I get it. I'm not like. We need to stop the... Like, I get it. I know he's a villain. Like, But, but I'm also... I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Well, I was just going to say, I should say that the reason that this links back to... Otherwise, this is just like... Yeah, hear about them Russians. Like, that wasn't... Um, this links back because I was going to say <laughs> that I feel like a lot of those, you know, colonial songs yeah. were propaganda. Like, it, it mm. is celebrating a prisoner background something that like a convict history something that would be hard to celebrate i mean it would be great if there was an already established culture that was really beautiful <laughs> here um, if only
0: if yeah, only, only that had been the case <laughs> if only that had been the case so after the woolshed and all of its colonial implications
1: i'm uh, so sorry we used to come emails.
0: no 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 it was an important it was an important uh, 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 conversation then we used to come to QPAC and yeah. we'd see a show. And so, and I've never played QPAC before. We've played, you know, the Powerhouse and other venues in Brisbane, but it's very exciting to be here. It is and We're backstage and, you you know, you go into the green room and it's all, you sort of you go into the green room and you're kind of just like, you know, there's cast from the Traviata having their fish and chips, but in full costume.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really excellent. I think I've been here to see two shows. One was The Importance of Being Earnest. When I was a, it's a good show, I, when I was a drama student. Me, drama. <laughs> um, <laughs> and weirdly, the other show that I saw was The Illusionists.
0: Oh.
3: I'm fucking obsessed with magicians. Yeah,
0: one of my friends was in uh, The Illusionists. One of my really close friends, Philippa Scoffey. Which one was he? he? Was, he's the, mind, the comic, like comedy mind reader. And he, um, he and I used to live together at all the festivals, so I would see backstage to all the tricks. It's always disappointing. You never want to know. It's just so
3: disappointing. It is really weird, though, to say that I'm obsessed with magicians because I think, as a performer obsessed, as people... Oh, no. <laughs> you don't want to hang out with them. Never, you just want to know I, how their tricks Like, are I literally can't think of anything worse. What, than hanging out, out with, with a magician? magician. <laughs> yeah. Like, off, off duty, I'd be like, oh, my God, shut up. Like, <laughs> but they don't tell you anything. They won't. They no, they'll never tell you anything. Yeah, but just think about the... It's like if I knew somebody was a professional juggler, I'd be like, I don't think you've ever made a friend. <laughs> Look, I'm a feminist, but I'm very judgmental. <laughs> <Juggler> mental.
0: Um, <laughs> do we have any jugglers?
3: <laughs> That's a lot more
0: than that deserves. <laughs> any, any jugglers or magicians in? Just give us a cheer.
3: No. They would be out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> They'd be at home practising. well
0: listen this this discussion around QPAC and culture and what we might come here to see uh, leads us into our guests um, because one of our guests uh, is uh, the importer of the Women of the World Festival to Australia Mm. and the other one is the first um, female CEO in the AFL can I ask you what do you know about the AFL?
3: If you're talking about the Alpine Falcon Lodge, um, so much. Um, it is quite well known that I do love my parrot. I'm obsessed with birds. I know nothing about AFL, I'll be totally honest. I know nothing. You know
0: nothing? You, so you can't explain the rules of AFL to me?
3: I could make them up. I could be convincing, but... You could just make them up. Michael, mm. do you know
0: the rules of AFL? Michael's waving no, he doesn't know. No, all the men in this audience—it turns out—are saving the environment, working with disabled children. That's amazing. Raising the next generation. The the men that are drawn to this show are pretty spectacular as men go, and uh, it's it's really it's really wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to see. But but what it means is none of none of them can explain the rules of AFL. Disappointingly. (laughs) Is there an equivalent of the offside rule in in football in Britain, which we call you call soccer? that men always want to explain the offside rule. And every single time, if I want a man, basically, this is a true story, but if back in the day, if I wanted a man to fancy me, I'd just ask him, well, could you explain the offside rule to me? And then when he did, I'd just go, oh, my God, I've never understood it before. So many people have tried to explain it. They, so many men have tried to explain it to me, and I've just never got it. But I just understood it straight away that when you said it. And then they'd just be like, sleep with me now. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a foolproof method.
3: Um, I think AFL looks really messy. I feel like if you were high up enough in a, in a plane, you'd be like, is that it? It's, it's okay. All right. We're going to
0: learn about it tonight because although none of the men here can explain it to us or some, there's some, some of them are dying now to go, we can. Is it, is there any, any men who feel that they could? Maybe any man? Just, you don't have to just shout if you think you could. Can any women describe... Any women or non-binary people, could any of, any of you describe it? Aye. Okay, interesting. Excellent, good. Any fans of AFL-in? Any fans of the women's game-in? Okay, all right. All right, it's time to bring our guests on then in that case. <laughs> our first guest today was the first female CEO to be appointed in the AFL. By establishing the Brisbane Lions inaugural women's team who won their first premiership in 2021, she has created a full-playing pathway for the women and girls of Queensland. This is like Ted Lasso, isn't it? (laughs) With access to this elite, high-performing environment, women are no longer forced to abandon a game they love due to lack of professional opportunity. Awarded Awarded the AFL Football Woman of the Year Award in 2018... Brianna's work is slowly dismantling age-old thinking around female representation in sport to create a more level gender balanced playing field. The daughter of a diplomat, she spent her early years growing up overseas, lucky enough to have lived in England, Greece, Pakistan and Kenya. Her childhood helped shape her into an accidental feminist. Please welcome Brianna Brock. Come take a seat, Brianna. Thank you so much also joining us tonight, she is a cultural strategist and co-founder and director of consultancy company Positive Solutions. She's worked across Australia, Hong Kong, New Zealand and the UK. She's also the exec director of cultural enterprise Of One Mind, who are the producers of WOW Women of the World festivals in Australia in partnership with the Global WOW Foundation. She is also an advisory board member of the foundation wow allows women and girls boys and men and non-binary people to imagine a gender equal world through a cultural program of both celebration and interrogation of contemporary life put your hands together and make incredible guilty feminist welcoming noises for kathy hunt kathy thank you so much come take a seat all right first things first brianna what, have you always loved AFL? Mm, no, I would say no. <laughs> um, do you love it now, though?
2: I love it now. Because otherwise your CV is... <laughs> it's a bit i it, just, just fell into it. <laughs> well, I loved it from a different perspective because my dad was a football player, quite a good football player. Um, not professional, but made his way. And so, you know, my um, two other sisters love our dad, we idolise him, so we love watching him play and, you know, he watched football on the TV and he was sort of like half interested in it because he liked it, so you sort of liked it. And it wasn't until we finally moved to Brisbane and um, we started going to games at the Gabba, so I was like, oh, this, yeah, this game's pretty cool and understood the rules <laughs> a lot better, didn't yeah. really know the rules. Didn't really think much of it, you know, it was just what you watched, but then... A a friend then said, do you three girls know that at my club, there's all these chicks playing football, like a girls team. I was 25 at the time. So I'd been a professional tennis coach for 10 years before that. We're like, what footy for girls? What are you talking about? So off we went and we just fell in love with it and haven't looked back, haven't dropped my tennis rackets and haven't ever really, um, don't even watch tennis anymore, to be honest. But uh um, wow. that was it. My older sister's just turned 45 and she's still playing. Um, after I had a, a baby, I, I sort of gave it away. But um, now I'm working in the industry and doing this job. And what's the history of the women's game in this country? How long have girls and women been playing? The first recorded games were like in 1916 or something like that. It's over 100 years of, of from when they very first played games. Mm, they were charity games in the war you know, this women's sewing factory versus the cannery and they go and play. So it's a bit a,
0: like a, a League of One's Own where in America the women play baseball absolutely. because the men were at war. Yeah,
2: but getting like 20,000 people to games. Oh, wow. Because what a novelty to watch women in dresses play football. <laughs> they are beautiful silk dresses with the bonnet and amazing See, I'm more interested now you offer
0: me that costume option. <laughs> I'd do it in a silk dress with a bonnet. I have no stuff. idea how
2: they played. Um.
0: <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not with me on the bonnets and the silk. Dress. Just, come
2: the on, if we could dress get up as sure. you know
3: If we can bring bonnets back, that is the funniest fashion. <laughs> a bonnet. Listen, you and me in bonnets and yeah. corsets.
0: Done. AFL. A little Done. bit of AFL. Like, that would be really funny. If we could dress like a suffragettes. Yeah. and do do an AFL, but our whole yeah, team... Yeah, we're both
3: quite busty. If we had corsets on, that's crazy. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: not as busty as all that. Not for my body type. I'm not that busty. I mean, it, I... it is true that some man had to sew me into my dress tonight. Yeah, that's, well, not, exactly. that's evidence in your corner. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, that, so, so it, it, like many things, women were allowed to do it in wartime and then fought to keep doing it. But most recently, you've had some real success. Um, We had Darcy on in Victoria a while ago, a few years ago, before the pandemic. Um, And she was telling us about the extraordinary success of the first Victorian game, um, where they were saying, oh, don't expect very many people. And then on the day, uh, there were so many people trying to get in and so many young girls trying to get in. They had to lock the gates and women and girls were climbing over the gates to get in. Illegally, because they were just like, you know, uh, just we have to see this. This is groundbreaking. What's happened here in Queensland?
2: Well, just to touch on that, that game, I mean, people literally thought no one was going to come to those games. So they made it free. There's no tickets. Wow. Just open the gates, let everybody in. So you can imagine such a successful show like this, 10,000 people out the front if it's free. 25,000 people or something went to that game. Wow. So everybody that night, you know, we, we were training that night ready to fly to Victoria and we finished training and all just sat there so could hear a pin drop that we were going to play in this. This is what we were going to. People going to come and watch us. I mean, that's sad in a way. You thought no one would watch. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Not, not that, you know, you, everyone knew that their mum and dad was going to come and you'd fill it up with family. <laughs> But not 20,000 people. What was that like? I mean, I, I couldn't stop crying. I mean, that to that's 10 years of personal career work in the making, watching that happen, not, you know, those two teams, but, you know, working in developing sporting opportunities for women and to see that and so many people like me who were older to the game, never got to play it as a young girl, um you know, 40, 50-year-old women who would have chopped their left arm off to play a game of football, that's who went. And I, they I've all got, just loved it.
3: I've got a couple of questions. Like the first one that, that comes to my mind is um, how do you go from, so you were a tennis coach and then you, you played AFL, how do you go from that side to being behind the scenes, making big moves, because that's a very, very different sort of path, I mean, and it takes a very different kind of courage and a very different kind of, um, what's the word, like grit as well. I mean, what was the catalyst that pushed you from one side to the other?
2: Um, Well, essentially when we started playing, you know, and we found this sport, well, There's a little backstory. So we didn't know that, you know, they didn't have enough people for the team, the mm-hmm. team that we joined, <clears throat> and in walked three recruits. Like That's like winning gold medal when you're trying to go make a girls team back then, mm-hmm. you know. So unbeknownst to us, when they saw these three girls walking in, they were all like, make sure this is the best thing these girls ever do. We need them for the game on yeah. the weekend. Make sure you know their names, you know, help them, blah, blah, blah. blah. So by the time we finished this first experience, The very first training session, we all hopped in the car and we were like, oh, man, that was the best. (laughs) That's the best. I'm totally doing this. And we'd played every other sport, volleyball, soccer, whatever, Mm -hmm. but we'd never played something like this. So that was the first big hook. And then you go, oh, but how come we've got, like, the worst change rooms and how come Mm -hmm. we're in the middle of training and the club turns the lights off because they've forgotten we're training out there?
0: Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: how come, how come, how come, how come? Just... You know, all these things, how the competition was being run, you know, making it really difficult for this competition to grow. So essentially, from there, you know, we we'd become the team manager the next year, started a new club the following year, was on the board of that, you know, just community club. Um, and then eventually thought, you know what, if you're going to try to beat this thing or make this better, for your own personal gain, because I want to play in something that's good... You can't beat them from the outside. You're going to have to beat them from the inside. And so I weaseled my way into working for the AFL and um, started that way.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot,
3: The other thing that I wanted to ask you was kind of around age, because I think there's something really interesting about you saying that you were 25 when you started, and your sister was 27. In so many sports, that's quite old. That's when people are getting to the end of their career. Like my my cousin was a professional soccer player, and he retired at 31. You know, um, and and it's it's very interesting to me because of all of the other things that come with that sort of higher age range which is um, established families established careers and stuff but it also makes me wonder because I have a niece who is seven and they did that like Milo thing I don't even know if it was Milo but I remember when I was young it was Milo, the Milo cricket thing, right, and they'd go out and every single kid would play, like it didn't matter because there was none of that sort of gender attachment to it and so, I wonder at what point that changes and what, why that happens. And if, are you still finding that people are joining at a later age? And does that, does that hinder their ability to sort of go more professional?
2: So, let's be clear when we started, it's very social. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no elite level. Um, pretty much, there was the state team, that was it, that's all you could yeah. do. Um, and the biggest problem was we just couldn't get more girls to play. So we needed to start going younger and younger and younger. And mm-hmm. so when – then I went over to the dark side and that was one of the first things we did was expand the competition from just an adult-only competition mm-hmm. um, to 18s, 15s, fourteen. We, we have now all-girl competitions starting at nine years old. Wow. Because – And
0: are they well-supported? Is there lots of girls wanting to play?
2: Yeah. So, I mean – just to give you an idea of what we were sort of dealing with when um, we we the Milo version of AFL is auskick Sorry, Milo. Do you mean like uh, the chocolate drink? Yes. Yeah. Is that was My, that right? It's Milo is the sponsor of the cricket. Okay, so if you're yeah. listening
0: internationally, because this is a podcast, Milo is a very Australian chocolate drink. It's <laughs> and you put, chocolate malt. Yeah, chocolate mm-hmm. malt. Yeah, that's right. And yes. it's, it's, you, you, you put hot milk in it and it's, it's like cocoa, I guess, but it's... You don't hot hot just milk. put hot milk in it. Oh, it's like okay. garlic. I've, I've, I've stepped into difficult waters with the feminists of Brisbane. I'm making Milo
3: incorrectly. Yes, you are. Sorry, <laughs> how do you make it? Well, I think everybody has their own Milo tastes. Yeah. All right, so it's a... T- My personal way of doing it is I put about five massive
1: tablespoons
3: <laughs> in the bottom of a cup. Yeah. And then I squish it down. Yeah. And I put milk up to the top. Yeah. And then I, like, scoop up a little bit of milk. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. My brother puts about the same amount of Milo and mixes the shit out of it until yeah. it's, like, mud. And um, apparently some people... A teaspoon. Pff, idiots. <laughs> So, if you're listening, Milo, um, we would like sponsorship.
0: Yes. Um, I'm done. St- Steph would we'll do a paid partnership. So Milo apparently be was sponsoring. Doesn't have to be paid. Doesn't have to be paid. <laughs> She'd just she, do a partnership, she takes <laughs> goods in kind. Send her loads of Milo, please. Um, so. <laughs> Just to, to be clear, Milo did something with... Milo didn't do a lot of sport when I was growing up. There was always sport. It was like, if you drink Milo, you'll be good at sport. There was yeah. some, like, implication. Weak Bixen and Milo. Energy. Yeah. Weak and Milo, yeah. yeah. Always, always trying to get the
2: kids yeah. moving. Yeah. Um, so our, our version of that is Auskick. Right. And across Queensland, you have about 25,000 kids do Auskick. Yep. And about 6,000 of those were girls, which is great. That's, like, from four to six years old. So Fantastic. the 20,000 doing Oz Kicks, 6,000 were girls. Yeah. It's not, not bad. This is going back 2013, let's say. But of that 6,000, we were getting 400 going to join a club. Right. So we had them all there. We had all these little girls interested and we had this very equal opportunity program and everybody can do it. But once you're finished, not everybody can do it. Only right. boys can really do it. Girls can go and be in a boys' team. You might be the only girl in your whole club. Right, right, right. right. Really welcoming. The, really exciting to be that girl.
3: This is going to, sound, this is going to sound a little bit strange, um, but and nothing I say ever does. Um, <laughs> but I remember when I was uh, in grade five, so I would have been ten or eleven. I joined the like our school had inter-school sports, and um, I really wanted to do league, and I played rugby league. Right. And um, afterwards, I I just loved getting tackled. Like, I just thought it was so exhilarating. And I remember as I got a bit older, like, I was like, I wonder if there's one that would be a cool one for me to keep fit with. And and I truly, like, I, I say this as somebody who's especially started dating women recently. One of the things that I was told was, like, nah, you'll turn into a lesbian, it's full of gays. And not that that's so much of an issue these days, but back then the idea of that, that that would be so alienating, um, do you find that that's still, is that something that people uh, associate with the sport? Do you think it matters if they associate it with the sport? Um, and do you think that we need to work on not associating that with the sport? Like, do, do you know what I mean?
2: yeah I one hundred percent know what you mean yeah. um I think you know back when we started, so like this one, I'm talking like two thousand and five hundred percent people we were my other two we were the only straight people in the team yeah i mean that <clears throat> um that's changed because it's become more accessible to more girls who mm-hmm. probably more I don't want to say tomboy, but you know if you if you hacked it out with the boys, you're pretty rough and tumble yourself, so mm-hmm. your average Sporting Jane wasn't going to join up to play with with mm. boys, so then you ended up with the adult version of that being predominantly gay. It's changed significantly over yeah. time as as playing football has become more normalised. Not it's not been about you know your sexuality has become more not you know more normalised than not. Mm. It, it's because the sports become more accessible mm. to women, and I think. Um, the gay community are a huge reason as to why AFLW is seen to be something that's so inclusive and welcoming of everybody. Yeah. Um, in AFLW where we have a, you know, um, mandated pride round where we celebrate gay pride, which the men don't have, and it's phenomenal. It is the yeah. best fun. It's the best round. You know, everybody's included in it and that's the environment that is so special about women's AFL mm. I mean as I said to you before we're desperate for every person to play you know we're trying to win hearts and minds Not, no one's getting turned away from that environment
0: and we do want to celebrate the origins of you know women's sport and you know, queer women who've worked so hard for it and we also want all of our children to you know if, if somebody says oh you know if you're playing that sport that that means you're gay or that's it i mean it it i would really really hope that a teacher in the playground would say it doesn't but what if it does you know that like i would really really hope that we would celebrate that sport being a queer space and i would really also hope that we would you know disentangle that and say you know it is absurd to imply that anybody's sexual orientation is 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 linked to their sporting prowess, um, but it's it's it was a place where queer women felt safe and felt included and felt loved and felt championed and and that needs to be celebrated. That brings us into Kathy, who I really want to include here, because Women of the World um, is doing something really wonderful in championing all women and bringing all women together. It's such a phenomenon. Can you explain a bit to the audience about Women of the World?
5: Yeah, sure. It's, um, WOW was a festival created in London, gosh, about 12 years ago now, by the wonderful Jude Kelly, the artistic director of South Bank Centre. Big, big fan. Big fan. <laughs> and uh, she thought it was just going to be a weekend um, event, one of her weekend festivals that a few people might come to. And it was so a similar story to AFL, to the women's AFL. It's like, oh, your hurry. mum will come, but, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's, let's see who turns up. Anyway, it turned out they did, did this weekend festival. It turned out to be, you know, complete, everybody piling out of the doors. Thought, oh, well, maybe we're onto to something here. And the thing, the difference, what Jude was trying to do at that point was say, and she was, she was of an age where she was thinking, why am I have, having to do this again? Mm. Why am I having to have this debate again? I've been there. I was that second generation, and, and why am I having to do it again? So she said, if I'm going to do it again, if I'm going to bring up the gender stuff again, um, I'm going to do it this time from a point of celebration first. We're going to start with, before we start moaning about what's still going on and what problems that we've got, we're going to start from a point of where we've come from yeah. and where we are now. And let's celebrate what, what we actually have achieved and what our mothers have achieved and what our grandmothers have achieved which is why we can do what we can do today. Yes. So that was the whole point. Plus, it was coming from the perspective of a cultural space. And Jude, being an artist herself, theatre director, stick it in a cultural venue. This is not a women... It's called a festival. It's not a conference. Yeah. Um, and that so place, cultural. There are so many storytelling shows. and That's right. And it's there's, all about storytelling, and that's what it's about. And... Uh, the beautiful thing about that, if you're talking about change, and this is what this is what I loved about it, and why I wanted to one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it to Australia, um, was that if you want to create change in the world and massive social change, which many of us do, yeah. and gender equality being a major, major part of that, you've actually got to create cultural change first. You've got to get to people's hearts and minds. So what you were talking about, Brianna, you've got to get to people's hearts and minds to understand why there is a need for change. And to do that, the best thing to change culture is to use culture. Because Mm -hmm. it is storytelling, it's our stories, it's our culture, it's our creative aspects of how we explain what it is to be human Mm -hmm. that actually gets through to people sometimes Mm -hmm. to make them think, ah, that's why the change is needed. Because if they don't understand why the change is needed, if they don't understand another person's story, they're never going to make the actual policy changes that you want them to make. Uh, that is the big big social changes that we need
3: today well it's it's interesting isn't it when you think about um you know i 'm quite an advocate for for Aboriginal people in australia and it's it 's what drives me right and it's it's really interesting how it kind of works in that governments are almost it's almost like they're ten years behind the social shift that happens, and it 's because they need to go like oh, oh, we'll just make sure that it's okay it 's happening you know um And I think that that's an important, it's just a sad reality of it, you know, and I I don't know what your experiences have been, but for both you and Brianna, I think it'll be one of those things where it'll be 10 years down the track that this is celebrated for what it is and embraced the way that that it should be. And what does that feel like from the inside, Mm. kind of having to have the patience and keeping up that level of courage and that, that level of grit, like, what is it that you... Tell yourself,
5: banging your head against a brick wall, trying yeah, to yeah, change yeah. the patriarchy, yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
6: all the time. <laughs>
0: but, but you know, this is why I love. Wow, because it says, "Hey, a hundred years ago, you know, no women had the vote, and then some women got the vote, and some more women got the vote, and yeah. some more, women, and then legislation started to come in, yeah. and you know, we are we are living the hopes of dreams of the wildest dreams of the women who came before us." that they fought for and in cases died for. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I am sure even more so with Indigenous women. And I feel like, you know, understanding that means it is our job. We can't just go, oh, I'm a bit tired. Like, we have to look at the women, girls, non-binary people who are, oh, yeah, unborn. You know, Mm -hmm. or the ones that we know that are running around four, five, six, you know, this next generation are absolutely incredible. If you are, are. you know, 11 year old in the front row here going, I was educating a boy at school about what feminism is, this is your alpha generation. um, And uh, then the the Gen Zs are the teens. And they blow my mind.
3: Absolutely.
0: They're just, you know, they're they're down at Washington arguing gun control. They're school striking about the climate change. They're just they're completely different and you know they are going to save us but I also slightly worry about leaving it to them do you know what I mean I just think it's, it's like I just I just don't remember Martin Luther King saying um, I've got a dream but I'm, I'm pretty sure the five year olds are going to figure out how to make it reality you know like it's 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 a good dream, but like I'm quite tired. You know, like there's a ten-year-old boy there. You, you, you'll get on. We'll crack on with the dream.
3: Do you know? I think I think like what's great about this show and what's great about people like you is the opportunity that you get to give for people to learn about people like Cathy and Brianna. And the reason is because I mean we all understand as women in this world, overseas, as as feminist women, um, that the thing is the hardest about operating in any any place that's marginalised or uh, minority is that there is so much responsibility Mm. because it's responsibility not just to be a good example but to undo bad examples, to understand Mm. bad examples. It requires a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion, a lot of forward thinking Um, and it just says a lot, like just the idea that you've been where you are, doing what you're doing for ten years or more, like... Just mm. grinding from the inside out. But, you you know. but it's also the fact you can't take your foot off the pedal in relation to exactly. this issue.
5: Yeah. Because if I, you go back in sport, I mean, look, that story about women's soccer in the UK and in the, you know, in the 20s, in the late 20s, nobody knows that women's soccer was bigger than men's soccer mm. in the UK. Until, and because it got bigger than men's, they stopped it.
3: Yeah.
0: And then for decades it wasn't played. Tail as old as time. Um, <laughs> can I ask? Well, how can we help you? What is it that you want? Is it? Our, should we be encouraging our girls to go to AFL practice? How can we help with Wow? Could people, if people wanted to be involved and do a show, can they? Can they apply? Is there anything coming up they can buy tickets for?
6: What Absolutely. We well, they can.
0: They, they can. Um, can I
5: actually talk about how Wow can help people? Yes. We had a person in the audience before. Yes. Some sad person who said no to money never can I also say yes. never say S- mo- SJ
0: she's not sad she's I, she just, I, went, she, was just she was just sort of doing that she, she went over to use that so microphone really? SJ who's doing that incredible musical um, okay yeah. well
5: can if you can get wowaustralia.com.au find my email can you just email me about what you're doing come on um because, Love that. Because that's what WoW's about. What WOW is about is celebrating what other people are doing 52 weeks of the year. So if there's any way that we can help promote, find money for, just get the word out there. Yes. And let's... That's the, that's the way we can help phenomenal, you. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. We, we,
0: if somebody said, you know, do you want any money? You just say yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Please. You are so right, Kathy. You are so right. She knows that now. She knows that now. <laughs> and when Michael was asked, he just went, yes, absolutely. I need money. I need money right now. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he's me. a bloke. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. But she's, but she's yeah, for quite, quite. But SJ's young, and she will clearly never make that mistake again because she's never heard the end of it. Uh, <laughs> Brianna, what can we do for you? <clears throat> um,
2: I would just say... Not just for our sport, but for all women's sport. What we desperately need is for people to show up. show up, yeah. right, mm-hmm. for the games. Get to the games. We need okay. people through the door because you you need to fill stadiums. If mm-hmm. we want the best facilities, we need to. They're expensive. You need people to come and fill them to pay for them.
0: And they don't advertise the women's games as much, and they they Not don't pay the women properly. Pay the men, yeah.
2: So but our games are cheaper, so there's a
0: trade off. <laughs> but it is you can't it, afford it. It is as simple as if if there's demand they'll sell tickets. They love people people love money and SJ and they they love money. So if you if you if you write to them and go when's there is there another women's game at my stadium I really want to see it. We're going to bring all our mates. They'll start putting games on if there is the need for those games. And that's what we'll start to see women's sport really blossom. If you, you know, write to the television networks and go, we'd like to see some women's games I, on the TV.
3: Can I just make a quick point before we wrap it up? Um, Hundy P. Um, Hundy P, great. Um, uh, we were having a quick yarn backstage there, Brianna, about, like, um, you know, obviously you're, a, you're an executive in the women's... Also, I can't believe you call it AFLW and not Waffle, but anyway. Um, <laughs> waffle, waffle, very fun. Um, but... Uh, we were saying that, that one of the other things is it's not just about having women in the women's sport. I mean, surely it makes sense for women to also exist within the men's sport and have more of a, a presence across both. That's real gender equity and just kind of going, oh, we're all part of this. Um, is that, I mean,
2: is that a uh, possibility? H- hundred, hundred percent. um P. It's, P. yeah. It, it's... The biggest shift is, and, and this is why women's participation at any level of anything is important to to knock down male-dominated whatever. So we see that in um, sport in particular. So I've played sport now. I have a nine-year-old son. Guess what sport he plays? The same sport I played. So if I want to recruit and engage and grow women's involvement, it comes through participation. It comes from experiencing that sport. So I don't have to be the uniform lady and the canteen lady, the Mm -hmm. traditional spots for women. Mm -hmm. I can be the president of the club if I want Mm. because I know how to play football. Mm. I've got some, you know, industry knowledge. All Mm. the women at my club are all women we've played football with all together, Mm. now all coaching our kids. There's nine teams and five have got female coaches. So now all these boys are growing up seeing women as coaches and teachers and learners, and that's how we're going to change those things again I'm from the inside out. i see that out. as
0: totally normal. They're not, to see, they're not going to see that no, as No, absolutely. They'll
2: just be like, my, yeah, my coach, she's I, amazing. You know. My, my, my nine-year-old, ask him who his favourite player is, he'll say Courtney Hodder and Harris Andrews. He doesn't say boy mm. or girl. He just says these yeah. are my favourite players. There's a men's team mm. and a women's team. They're my favourite because... Mm. He doesn't know any different. He's grown up Mm -hmm. with this Mm -hmm. since he was three. And that's more powerful, is not just the impact on girls, but young boys too. Mm
0: -hmm. So wherever you're listening to this, there are clear principles from what both these amazing women are saying that you can use wherever you are. But if you are in Australia, get get your girls involved in AFL and see if they like it and take them to a match because the more that we provide the demand, the more the supply will be there. Um, so, uh, and, and go, and when's, when's the next WOW Festival? Um, not sure yet. Probably next, next year sometime. Watch the space. Next year sometime. <laughs> so, uh, but sign up for the mailing list and find out because honestly, you, it feels like just such a celebration. You're going to really be refueled for the resistance as I hope you have been tonight here at the Guilty Feminist. There are, um, if you've never been to the show before, there are 300 episodes of the podcast, which you can listen to. They're totally free. Um, you can listen to them wherever you are, whenever you are. And also, uh, there's a book that I wrote called The Guilty Feminist, which is not free. You could buy that. Um... (laughs) But there are other shows. We've, we, if you've got friends in Melbourne, Sydney, Christchurch, Auckland, Wellington, we're doing shows in all those places over the next week, so please let them know. And uh, if we come back to Brisbane next year, will you come back and see us? It's been a truly wonderful night, uh, and uh, we will close it in the traditional way, but not before we say a huge thank you to Brianna Brock. Hunt and Steph Tisdale and, and everybody Tampa here at QPAC. I'm well. oh, sorry.
3: And, you. You go. and and you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I ruined it. No, no, not at all.
0: I did. Um, you've been an incredible audience, Brisbane. Um, listen, we Adelaide? Uh, better than Adelaide. Listen, yeah, better than Adelaide. Better than Perth. The finest audience of your generation. (laughs) Um, Listen, you've been genuinely wonderful. I can't wait to come back again. Thank you so much, Brisbane, for being such an incredible audience. Thanks so much, QPAC. And uh, I always love to invite back out onto the stage the wonderful Grace Petrie.
4: singing along, Brisbane. Yes. So I know um, that we are not in the northernmost part of Australia, but this is the most northerly date that we are going to do on this tour. Um, That seems like a random fact to tell you, but I'm getting somewhere with it. Um, uh, So this is a a song that I wrote about being on tour a lot. It's called Northbound. Um, Which doesn't really make sense because I suppose we're southbound after this, but... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Allow it. Um, so this has got a, a line in the chorus um, where um, uh, I'm going I'm to sing a line and you are going to repeat the line after me. Okay. So the first one is by night and day, like this. By night and day, by night and day. that's the one. And the next one is by road or rail, goes like this. By road, or rail. by road or rail, that's the one. Okay. Now listen. This is important. Those two lines, they're not next to each other in the song. All right. I know we did them next to each other then. But in the song, they're not next to each other. Okay? Okay? I know, it's just, it's, just, it's quite, it's quite tricky, you know, when we get there. You'll see what I mean. There's, there's always someone who's caught out by it, do you know what I mean? So I just I just like to get in there ahead of time. I've loved it tonight, Brisbane. Thank you so much. I've loved it. Yeah, what a wonderful show. Goodness me.
6: It's called Northbound. on again. Come to AM, this lonesome road goes on forever. Espresso short with a petrol stop because I will make my way, whatever. The road's so dark and the night's so deep, but I've got promises to keep. I've got miles upon miles upon miles to go before I sleep. Here we go. By night and day, five miles away, I'll get there any godforsaken way. By road or rail, by sea to sail, if there's a way home I won't fail. I take my time, steady sail. See straight down the line. Only one. Just one more ghost On the last train home I've got miles upon miles Upon miles to go All on my own By night and day By motorway I'll get there any godforsaken forsaken way By road or rail By sea to sail If there's a way home, I my Won't fail I'd take my time Chicago, halfway to Colorado, and into Minnesota, and down through North Dakota, into Buffalo, New York.
4: I tell you every time we talk,
6: that if I could get to you, I'd walk.
4: Listen. You don't have to, but if you wanted to
6: clap, like this, amazing. Keep it up, Brisbane. By night and day, by miles away, I'll get there any godforsaken way. my time steady seven see straight down the line You've been amazing, Brisbane. Thank you so much.
0: You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Steph Tisdall, and my very special guests, Brianna Brock and Kathy Hunt, with music from Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski, thanks to Bjorn Jody and Bone Presents. And everyone at QPAC Brisbane, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I, need the mic for this. I think there's one over there. Ke- Kez- Ke- Kezia? Kezia's got a mic. If you've got a, if you've got a, a musical, you probably need the mic. Thank you. I, I don't think anyone with a musical doesn't want the mic. That's what I'm guessing. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favourite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life.